think I'm on now. Yeah. It's on opposite sides, so the button goes a different way. I don't know. Uh, you know, I think it's something that's important for us to realize and remember and to speak that into one another's life that you are loved by God, that he is a good father. We look at one of my favorite verses of all time and you say, well, we've been here a year and a half and you say that quite often. But if you notice, there's a handful of verses that I kind of I kind of keep close to my heart. And this is one of them. Oh, but let's, before we get there, right? John 1 through 3. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm so excited about the scripture. But we talk about that Christ, that God has lavished us in Christ with love, with great love. And so I thought it'd be interesting to see what kids said about love. So Rebecca says, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Everyone goes, ah, oh, right. Oh, so How about Billy, age four? When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. I like that one, right? You know, you know that when they say he he recognizes when his name is called, that there's safety in that. That's a good thing. Chrissy, age six, love is when you go out to eat and give someone most of your French fries without making them give it, you any of theirs. <laughs> well, they wouldn't be taking yours if they, if they you know, had their own to eat, right? So uh, some of you, that, that might be really close to home. So anyway, Terry, this isn't you, I don't think. Okay, so, but love is what makes you smile when you're tired, right? Oh, that's great, when you're tired. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. <laughs> uh, how many boys have you told, Noel, that you like their shirt? No. Anyway, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. Again, that's why I think it's so important we do confession and absolution, because we forget, right? As a father has compassion on our children, so God looks down upon us. Because he knows our frame. My mommy loves me more than anybody. You don't see anyone else kissing me to sleep at night. Oh, that's great. And then I think this is, Nika has it. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. <laughs> wow, Nika, you should just take my place up here. I mean, that is, uh, that's, that's so true, right? Blessed are we, when we love our enemies, when we love those who hate Jesus, that's hard to do sometimes. So we're going to try something today. Why not? Uh, we've already haven't done the creed yet. Don't worry, it's coming. So, but let's. Every time you see a word in red, I want you to say it with me. Okay? If you're colorblind, I apologize. So, uh, see what kind of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him, beloved. We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You're not out of the woods yet. We're going to do some more here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. See, this is so great for us to know that we are God's kids right now. That's why I think that last song that we sang, as simple as it is, right? I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's who you are. You are loved by God because he's a good, good father. We looked last week at, the, him, at him calling himself the, the beautiful shepherd. And so this relationship that we get to have with Jesus Christ is beautiful, because why? We're his kids now. And I purposely picked some fun graphics because I want us to feel like that again. Actually, physically, I'd really like to feel like that again, right? <laughs> right? I mean, look at the air the kid has on that. Maybe the balloons feel filled helium. Anyway, but I want us to look at what it means for us to be children of God right now. Because I think this is the problem that we have in the church today. And maybe you've discovered it. You look in the mirror, you look at God's word, and he says you're his child right now. And you go, yeah, right. And so kind of we put it away because what we see in front of us isn't necessarily how we feel or what we think God's word says or how we interpret. Because sometimes we read the promises of God that he has given on our behalf and we think it's way too good to be true. Well, you know what? It is too good to be true, but it is true. On this side of heaven, doesn't make sense. In eternity, awesome. So... Right now, you are redeemed. Those in Christ are redeemed. What does that mean? That means you were purchased. You were bought. You needed to be brought back. Jesus Christ has redeemed you. Right now, you're saved. What does that mean? Well, I needed to be saved, right? It means I was in trouble. It means that, that, that I was without hope. Remember, we looked last week, if you were here at that car that was going the wrong way, and all of a sudden, it's in a head-on collision, and it, it, the person in it's like, I need help. I can't do it. I need to be saved. We are precious in God's sight. This is a tough one for many of us, right? Because we think, oh, I've blown it. How can God think of me as precious? But yet, he looks at you through the lens of the complete work of Jesus Christ. He goes, that's my kid. That's my precious kid. We are seated in heaven. It tells us in Ephesians that right now you are seated in the heavenly places in Christ. You are right there in Christ. At the right hand of the Father. That's the, the side of power, authority, and victory. You are at peace with God. Right? How important is that to know that you are at peace with God? Listen, if you're not at peace with God, everything else just is horrible. And you'll find yourself, you see that in the world today. People who, are, who aren't at peace with God, they're just angry all the time. And they can't find any rest. And if they do have any happiness, it's fleeting. Because then they're angry again. They need to be at peace with God. People, remember, you're at peace with God because of Jesus. And why are we at peace? Because he has forgiven all of your sins. That wall, that, that, that sin that separated you from God has been removed by Jesus Christ. And so you're forgiven of all of your sins because you've received mercy. We're told in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we once had not received mercy, but now we've received mercy. We once were not a people, but now we're a people. And what people are we? We're a holy nation. 
a peculiar people, as some say, which, you know, look around the room, yeah, right? We're peculiar, right? Set apart to display the excellencies and proclaim the glory of God. We have been granted grace. Now, mercy that we saw before is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, right? He's poured out his grace upon us, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And every time I turn, I find more grace. It's nice when you know people named Grace, right? <laughs> oh, look, there's Grace, right? But it's a good reminder to have Grace. We are heirs of the King of Kings, right? Our life is hid in Christ. He's the Son of God, which means what? Oh, we're in Him, which means we are royalty. Do you feel like royalty? Right? No one's watching my royal wedding, but, but, you know, but we feel sometimes like we're not royalty. God wants you to know that you are royalty. We are now truly living. Last week, we looked at the three types of life that are in the Bible. There's bios, the things about physical. There's psyche, which is where most of us are stuck in our society today. Who am I? Why do I exist? What's my purpose in life? How am I going to leave my mark? You know, this is who I am. And then we have Zoe which is the eternity life, the life that Jesus gives us that means fullness of joy. Guess what? You have been given fullness of joy. God has breathed his life into you. We are living in eternity right now. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. And that means they have it right now. The moment that you receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, you've been catapulted into Eternity, right? Where we can say you're seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ. Eternity doesn't start the day you take your last breath on earth. Eternity starts the moment that God has breathed the Zoe into you, the abundant life. You were living in the light. We were once in darkness. Now we're in the light, right? The world moves around in darkness. They don't even know where they're going. In fact, often you hear people, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here, right? Because they're in darkness. But Jesus has pulled us out and put us in his marvelous light. Again, I say seated in heaven. Well, you already said that, Kirk. I did. But I want to bring another point about being seated in heaven. If you're working, you don't sit down. Now, some of you have cush jobs. You know, you're like, well, Kirk, you just sit in your office all day, right? But the reality is the idea of seated in heaven means that something has been accomplished and the work is done. When we see that Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the Father, he has proclaimed that the work is done. It is finished. And we are seated in heaven with him. The work is done. It is finished. We are dwelling in Christ. The life that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who died for us, who rose from the grave for us. In our life we live, we live by faith in him now. We are saints, not ain'ts, by the way. Most of the time we feel like ain'ts, right? I ain't got it. I ain't that good. By the way, I don't like the word ain't. Um, but I think it's in the dictionary now. It's really, but so is. What's the other one that just they just put supposedly? Supposedly in the dictionary. And it means the same thing as supposedly. Anyway, don't get me going on grammar. But, but we are saints. Now, many of us don't feel like this. Saints means that we, we celebrated Harold's life a couple weeks ago. And, and, you know, we, we live in this tension between saint and sinner. But once we take our final breath, no sinner, the sinner is gone. And all that's left is saint. What a great and glorious moment we look for. But right now, we are saints. And right now, by the way, you're faithful in Christ. Well, come on. Really? I'm faithful in Christ? Well, yeah. 
Because Christ will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, it tells us that when we are faithless, he remains faithful on our behalf. So we want to lay hold and apprehend by faith that we are faithful, not because of any work that we do, but because of what Christ and the Holy Spirit do, do continually on our behalf. We have been given every spiritual blessing in heaven. Now, don't look at your bank account. Don't look at your refrigerator to know how blessed you are. We look to heaven and go, wait, what really matters? God has blessed me with forgiveness of sins. God has blessed me with a community of believers. God has blessed me with a family. God has given things to me that I don't deserve. And it's only going to get better. We are chosen by God. It's kind of like when the kids on the playground, they line up to choose teams. And everyone gets picked first. Right? You just don't want to be the last guy. But how good is it when you're the first one picked? Right? But somehow God picks everyone first, by the way. You're his first choice. Wow. We are holy and blameless. <laughs> yeah, right. No, we are. According to what God says, in Christ, we are holy and blameless. We read in 1 John 3, verse 1, that we are now children of God. This is who we are now. Not someday. Not when we feel like it. Not when we've done enough things to, to earn the, the feeling like we're a child. We are his children now. Listen, I've disappointed my parents. My kids at times have disappointed me, but it never changed the fact that I was their kid or that or the, their grandkids are my kids. Never changes that fact. We love. We are united to God in Christ. Only that means that we weren't at one point united to God, right? We were separate from God. But Christ has torn the veil from top to bottom. We are united in Christ. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Tells us that he's the guarantee. It's God has put his mark upon us. Says, I'm guaranteeing you that you're going to make it to heaven. I'm guaranteeing you because of what Christ has done that I now possess you. I own you. Oof. What, what great comfort we find that we are. The belongings of God. That he has put his name upon us. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Guaranteeing eternal life. Again, that comes with the sealing of the Holy Spirit. I'm guaranteeing you that you have life in my, in my name. Not because of what you or I have done, but because of what Christ has done. Because our efforts fail. In fact, we're told in Isaiah chapter 64 that all of our righteous works are filthy rags. And I won't get into what filthy rags really means, but if you want to, ask me afterwards. It's not pretty. It's not something you would ever present to somebody. Look what I have done. You would never do that with these rags. That's why we look to Christ, because his work is enough. We are raised to life in Christ. That means what? We were dead. Now, we, last week we saw the lambs on their backs. Ooh, look at that view. But really, they were dying. They were being baked from the inside out. They were starting to, to suffocate from their own fluid. And unless someone comes, the good shepherd, the beautiful shepherd comes and puts them upright, they will die. But we have been raised. We've been put upright because of our beautiful shepherd. We are in a position of authority. Wow, this is something we struggle with. I don't feel like we're very authoritative. I don't feel like that we're part of this victory. But we have been placed at the right hand of the Father. That's a power of authority. We talked about it in Bible study. We have been given the keys to the kingdom, which means we get to pronounce forgiveness to other people. There are hurting souls that need to be comforted, and they need to know that God forgives them in Christ. So when they come broken to you, and they're, just, and they're repentant, please let them know that they are forgiven because of what Christ has done. 
God forgives them for Christ's sake. We are in that position of authority. We are no longer dead. This is tough for us because we find so much pleasure in this life. But people who live only for pleasure are really the walking dead, for lack of a better term. They're those sheep, again, on their back, trying to, to enjoy life without really being able to be upright and to move forward. We are God's masterpiece. I love this in, in Ephesians chapter 2. It says we're his workmanship. The word there is poema, which is a work of art. And if you really take it, one of the definitions, his masterpiece. Each one of you, and this is a great thing for us to do, when we look at one another and say, you're God's masterpiece. Each one of you, you're God's masterpiece. Because you've been brought near to God. And when we say we've been brought near, what does that mean? I guess we were far. Right? So we've been brought near to God because you are God's children now. You are no longer enemies of God. We're saying we're no longer a slave to fear, right? Because I am a child of God in perfect love. Cast out all fear because God has done this for us. He's brought us into his fold. Never think, by the way, that God is your enemy. He is for you, not against you. He loves you. He is passionate about you. He desires you to live life abundantly. We are friends of God. This is another great thing. Jesus told his disciples, I don't call you slaves anymore. I call you friends. Because I've told you what I'm doing. Right? He tells you God's word. We read it. This is the word of God. He explains himself. We're his friends. We are part of God's family. This is so exciting. He didn't just save us to just say, okay, there you go, you're saved. He brought us into a family, a family that lasts for all eternity, a family that is filled, hopefully, with the people who love God and people who want to forgive others. Are we dysfunctional? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we have been given the capacity to forgive one another and to love one another in a way that we could not do before. And I've said this before. I would not know probably any of you if it weren't for God. And now I can say, you're my family. Or as I say, you're my peeps. I won't say that again. <laughs> Actually, I, I can't say that. I might, I might feel I'm cool one of these days and say it again. <laughs> we're citizens of heaven. This is what we've talked about when we're talking about the parables. Right? We feel like we're caught between two nations. We've got, we were a citizen of the United States, right? That's who we are, but we're also been taken and placed in. We've been born again. I talked about this with the youth uh, uh, several weeks ago. What's the easiest way to become a citizen? Cody. Born into that country. The easiest way to become a citizen is to be born. We have been born into the kingdom of God. I didn't mean to catch you while you were yawning. I'm sorry. You know. <laughs> now, I didn't mean to call that out. Wait, I just did. So, hold on a second. Um, I'll give you a hug later. Okay. We have access now to the Father. We're told that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. You know, as a kid, I hope you feel like you can go to your dad or your mom when you need them. They're not going to go, nah, perform right first. No, we can go to the Father. He's a good Father. He loves us greatly. And guess what? You are the wisdom of God. What? tells us in Ephesians that the manifold wisdom of God is displayed in the church. That word manifold is variegated. We're a little bit different in here, right? right we all have different experiences, different backgrounds, different professions. We, we, we come together, though, and we unite in Christ. That is a beautiful thing that the world looks at and goes, wow, 
How do they do that? The world needs to see us united, by the way. So pray for the church that they would be united so people would see that there's wisdom in the truth of who God is and who his people are. We are new creations. Right? The old has passed away. So the old that, that was corrupted by sin, that by the way is still corrupted by sin, these bodies are not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. We're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye, and who we are is going to be revealed. And we will see him as he is. We are the bride of Christ. Guys, don't get weirded out by this. But there's one thing that if you ever go to a wedding, and I'm sure all of you have been to a wedding, one thing that is the best moment of the wedding, not the party afterwards, okay. No, but the best moment of the wedding is when the bride is revealed. And often I don't like to look at the bride, sorry, no offense ladies, but I look at the groom. And usually without fail, he is overcome with joy and excitement and usually a tear. Well, think about that. Jesus is washing us and cleansing us, making us his pure bride. And one day when we see him face to face, he's going to watch us coming to him. And the joy that is in his face and the excitement that he has to be united to you is going to be so overwhelming. You are special to him. It is wonderful. And guys, I, I encourage you to remember that moment often when you saw your bride walk down the aisle towards you. So, right now, it's in red. We are the children of God. Okay, let's try that again. I know, I know we had some pause, and I didn't make you read all the other red, but let's do this again. Right now, we, we are, are the children, children of God. God. Now listen. God says it, whether you believe it or not, that's what we are. We are the children of God. So let's take a moment and just think about that for a moment. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you need to be reminded of that today. Maybe you are having a hard time believing that today. I understand. There are moments and seasons in your life where you just don't feel it. Listen, God's word is not predicated upon our ability to feel it. This is what he says about you and I. And by the way, I cut the list short. There's a lot more that God says about you and how much he loves you and his plans for you and his intentions for you and the glory that he has waiting you that he also wants to share even now in these moments of trial and tribulation while we still tarry on this earth. So let's take a moment and hear from the Lord.
sometimes it's so good to be reminded that we are his children. And so we have some prayers that we are going to go before the Lord and pray. And there's many.